You're listening to Season 2, Episode 20 of How She Creates. Today, I have documentary filmmaker Becky on, and she's going to tell us what it's like to travel the world telling stories and how you can document your own life and tell your story through the camera that's probably in your hand right now. Welcome to How She Creates. I'm your creative fairy godmother, Lauren. I'm here to take you behind the scenes with all your favorite makers to learn how they create. We'll discuss what it means to live a creative lifestyle, the best resources and tools for making, where to find inspiration, and so much more. I hope these conversations encourage you to make more stuff and share it with the world so we can all see how you create. How She Creates is sponsored by Get Messy Art Journal. Get Messy is an art journal membership community that shares tutorials, inspirations, prompts, challenges, and more each week. Get Messy's goal is to help you nurture your creativity, become the artist you desire to be, and find your creative community. When you sign up for Get Messy's mailing list, you get access to three free classes, one on how to find your creative style, introduction to Art Journal 101, and Art Journal 102, Elevate Your Art Journaling. Get Messy has an amazing community of artists who are waiting to welcome and support you in your art journey. Learn more and sign up for Get Messy in their awesome newsletter at getmessyartjournal.com. Welcome back, friends. I am really excited about today's episode. I know I say that every week, but this week is a fun one because I have my in-real-life friend, Becky, here who is going to teach us all about documentary filmmaking. Becky has an incredible life story. She's got an insane um, resume. So I'm really excited for you to meet her and to learn more about this episode and about filmmaking and documenting your life because you know that is something that I am crazy excited about and that I love to do and I love for everyone else to do. Uh, Before we get started, I will tell you a few quick announcements. The season of play has just launched at Get Messy and so season's passes are available April 1st through 7th. So if you want to join us for the season of play to learn more about just letting go with your creativity, we would love for you to join us over at GetMessyArtJournal.com. but of course, you can join Get Messy at any time with a monthly or yearly seasons pass. Yearly pass, but the seasons pass is only available this week, and it's a great deal. So if you want to hop on and give it a try, this is a great week for you to do that. Now, let's talk about Becky. Becky is an award-winning documentary filmmaker, book artist, and Fulbright Fellow. Her specialty is international humanitarian storytelling that encourages public discourse and cultural preservation. For over 15 years, Becky has worked on documentary television for companies including National Geographic, The Smithsonian, Discovery, and PBS. She received her BFA from Pratt Institute and an MFA from the University of Alabama. Currently, she's a visiting assistant professor in the UAE at the American University of Sharjah in film and multimedia. She believes in the immortality of art and collaboration. Every adventure supplies new inspiration for artistic expression, content, and process. With so many stories to tell, there's no reason to stay in one place. I'm really excited for you guys to meet Becky. So let's jump into today's interview. All right. Thank you so much for being here, Becky. I'm so excited for my audience to meet you. Thank you very much. (laughs) No, it's happy to be here. Yes. It is super fun when I get to bring like real life people that I like really know 
into the online world because it's fun. Like I have this like online community that I'm friends with and this real life community that I'm friends with. And it's fun when they get to mesh. I've been following you on Instagram besides being friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to be a little, a little piece involved with what you do. Very creative. Yeah, it's very fun. So I'm excited to have you on here. So um, besides Terrell, my husband, um, Becky will be our second college professor that we've had on the podcast recently. So it's been really cool living here um, in the UAE and being on the college campus because I've got to meet a lot of really very cool, um, creative people who are like very professionals in their fields. Um, and it's fun to have you guys on the podcast because you're good teachers because you're teachers. Um, so it's like the interviews are really, really good and helpful. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm so I would like to think I'm primarily a documentarian, meaning a documentary filmmaker. And yes, right now I am also an assistant visiting assistant professor at the American University of Sharjah. Yep. So my husband's brother, who is wonderful, but did recently ask him if because he was he's also an assistant professor, um, if he was teaching his own classes yet or if he was still just assisting. So Becky is not an assistant to the pro college professor. She is and it's it's confusing. There are varying levels. There are varying levels. People are thinking about a graduate assistant mm. or a teaching assistant. Yes. And I have one of my own. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. The levels are are confusing. So when you say assistant, I don't want people to think you're like the assistant to the college professor. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, so tell us what you teach. So I teach primarily in multimedia. So I'm teaching majors their studio, but I'm also teaching multimedia systems and Film 100, which is our art of film kind of catch all for um, a beginning learn about film introduction to film theory. And I'm teaching beginning photography. Oh, exciting. Uh, so explain what multimedia is. Multimedia covers a broad range of making some sort of media. Right now we have a lot going on with 3D animation. We have a lot going on with virtual reality. I'm not part of that, but <laughs> that's that's multimedia becomes a catch-all for that. Okay. Very, very nice. Okay. Because we also will say multimedia in the more physical art form world, you know, as like collage and paint and, you know, so. Yes. So I will also say... My work, my um, creative work falls under book work or book art, and that is multimedia also. So it can get confusing. But when you're using several media for us, we're talking about with the addition of time for the university. Mm-hmm. That's the that's kind of the the category where instead of fine art, which would I would say multimedia fine art would be more collage, book art, um, or sometimes I do installations that involve video and photography and sculpture. Very cool. Yes. Becky, we'll, we'll share some links to Becky's book art because it's also really insane and really, really cool um, and very different from anyone that I've interviewed. But we're not going to talk about book art today. We're talking about film because I have seen some of your films and they're absolutely incredible. 
And um, you are so nice. (laughs) And so I'm really excited to learn more about how you make films and, and what your ideas are and how we can use film and our more everyday creative lives. But will you start by telling us your creative story, kind of how you found filmmaking, how you fell in love with it and how you learned? Actually, I have a funny, funny setup for this because um, my parents growing up were very strict about how much television I could watch. And we were allowed to watch something along the lines of one hour at night and then news in the morning. And that was it. And so I grew up kind of sheltered from a lot of media. Now, this is in the early 80s. So we didn't have some of these other great um, applications and programs and phones that we have now, of course. Um, So I joked that I got into television and film because my parents were so strict against it. I went extreme the other way. Um, and And I've been kind of headfirst into it since then. I went to undergraduate uh, art school in New York City, or well, actually Brooklyn Pratt Institute, and um, and then started freelancing after that and have been freelancing for companies like National Geographic, Smithsonian Channel, um, NHNZ, uh, Travel Channel Discovery, Whoa. like that, like that. It, it's so... It's, such a great experience. And then I ended up in Alabama with the Center for Public Television and got my advanced degree. And we kind of fast forward to where we are today, teaching. Yeah. Wow. I I didn't even know that you had worked for all of those places. That is super awesome. Um, So, okay. So now that you have to stop and tell me about National Geographic and what you've done with them. It's been a, a little while, but it's probably the most influential time in, in my life um, for directing me in my career and in interests. I worked, I started with them as an intern, turned into a production coordinator, to an associate producer, to a field producer, to a coordinating producer and videographer, and then... Um, at some point I had to leave National Geographic to try and um, move up into the producing position. It's just kind of what you have to do. And since then I've been bouncing around. Okay. So what is your, do you have a like topic that you focus on in your films? I don't have one specific topic, but I think I have a process and um, a general interest in ethnographic type work and natural history. So you'll see kind of a theme of preservation of culture. And um, recently I've been working a lot on women, women human rights type stories. So it's kind of the great thing about documentary work is that I get to choose what I'm interested in and just dive in and research. It's kind of a jack of all trades, but master of none sort of thing. (laughs) Very cool. Um, so can you tell us what your process is like when you kind of get from the idea of a film all the way to pushing publish? So if I'm looking to do a film that is complicated and not kind of, so we have two levels of film, the really short film that I do that I know I can bang out quickly and the film I know I'm going to work on for eight, 12 months at least. 
So the short film, I don't need any extra money. I go out with the equipment I have and I do it because I love it. Something I'm interested in. I just did a, um, a short with a woman in design Dubai design week. And, um, her name is Paula Zuccotti. And so I did a short film with her here and bang that out. And there was nothing attached to it. It was kind of a passion project, but most larger projects, once I come up with the idea and I do a little bit of research, I start trying to get money and funding. And that's so I can afford to do mine all relate to international travel. So I have to be able to pay for that. And that doesn't mean it's all paid for, but at least partially funded. My last film, I probably spent about, just to give people an idea, about $10,000 of my own money. And then I probably, and then I had a grant to cover the rest. Wow. And that was for a, um, a short called Ward B12. I was in Zambia on the labor, the busiest labor ward in Zambia in Lusaka, working with uh, the doctors, midwives, and patients whose lives intersect there. Wow, that's incredibly cool. Um, so, what so what would be the goal of that film? So, ideally, there'd be some sort of social impact. And I'm still working. I just finished it in January. So I'm hoping to still get some momentum in film festivals and get some outreach through possibly nonprofits and get some attention for what's going on as far as just everyday life on the board there and what's in need for a direction for research and a direction for funding for the hospital. Wow. That is just so, it just blows my mind. It's so cool that you're able to take this um, really important work of social justice and social support and awareness and bring it into the art form because we've all seen documentaries and we've all seen that they could be really terrible and boring and dry. And so, you know, your, your last one that you did design week was so fascinating. So I'm definitely going to link to that one because I feel like my listeners would love that one because it was really short, but it was about creativity and it was about a photographer she's she's a designer okay and she's been documenting everyday life of what people touch Mm -hmm. so by documenting certain people in different places around the world you get an idea of what everyday life is here now with an idea that this will be a record for later Mm -hmm. um and yes documentary i think has gotten a bad rep from where it started. And I get in this discussion with students all the time. I have a very broad range of what I consider documentary. And for me personally, it has to have an element of entertainment in order for it to be interesting to me too. Mm -hmm. So I don't want it to be boring. Then I don't think it does its job. It shouldn't be like pulling teeth. It should be interesting. Can I give a plug for a really cool documentary? Um, right now, a documentary series, Wormwood. It's on Netflix. And Errol Morris is the director who I have uh, hit and miss uh, objections to and loved or hated in the past. But now he's at the top of my list. I think he's pushing the medium forward in a way that I'd like to see it go. Okay. Yeah. So we'll definitely have links to all of this in the show notes, which you can grab at 
lauren-likes.com slash podcast. Um, cause a lot of these are very visual things that are hard to explain in just a few seconds. So you'll be able to see all of those and connect with Becky at that link. Um, so, so what, what do you think that you do and what can, like, what are your tips for people who are making their own videos or documenting in some way to make things not be so boring? How can we make things more visually appealing and interesting without it being like, because I feel like there's a, you know, as someone who makes videos for advertisements and things, you know, you need to make the the movie move every like three to five seconds to keep someone's interest. But in documentaries, there's long interview segments and stuff. So how, how do you keep things interesting? What can we also do in our videos to keep them interesting? Well, the first, the first thing you have to have is a good story. And only you know if you have a good story or not. And everyone does have a good story. And this is kind of what I like to do as far as inspiring people is encourage people. If you think you have a special point of view, you have a story that needs to get out there, then there's nobody better than you to document that story. And it starts with just recording. And I think if it's in the moment, you can record it on whatever you have and it'll work. Believe it or not, the most important thing is story followed by you wouldn't even guess this probably, but good audio. And then visuals, today our audience is is so advanced as far as um, expectations and what they allow, which is, is quite a range. So if there's a good story to follow, the visuals can be varied, but you have to keep people interested. So what I suggest, if you get to the point where you get to throw something together, think usually you have to cut it in half and then have a friend watch it and just make a little note of when they get kind of bored at watching. And if you make those notes, then you can go back and look at your project and say, oh, okay, my friend was bored at point ABC can I remove these elements and still tell the same story? Mm. And then, so, so you start to whittle it down a lot of, I think the biggest problem I see with first time filmmakers or people telling their story for the first time is they're so into it and interested in it. They think it'll hold for 30 minutes, an hour, and it might only hold for 10 minutes. Wow. That is scary, but very, very true. It's so hard to like judge your own work and to be vicious and make those cuts that it's really hard, but that's a great um, tip and idea of how to watch through your video and make um, cuts. So can you tell us about um, some other projects that you've done that are like really special to you or really close to your heart and what you want to share with the world? I can talk a little bit about a project I did called Namibian Craft, The Unknown and the Outsiders, which also maybe your group will like it because it does have to do with craft. Um, it highlights the current state of craft culture in Namibia and the influence of outsiders like missionaries and tourists on this materiality and craft culture process. And, um, it's about 20 minutes long. 
It turned into an entire multimedia exhibition. It's quite large, but it, it, it falls close to my heart because it involved collection of artifacts. It involved interviewing and getting personal narratives of master craftsmen in Namibia and gathering their processes and then turning that into a documentary. And what I really learned is that as an outsider of any culture, you really have to tread lightly on what you're recording and what's real versus what's not real. And I guess you'll just have to watch the film to see how that ends. But it was an unexpected journey for me. And I ended up with a lot of media, videos, photog photographs that were very, for me, very successful. But during the process, it was very emotional. I ended up breaking down and crying, which I never do. I'm not a crier in the middle of production because it was going in a direction that I hadn't planned. And as a super planner, that can be difficult, but I allowed that process to happen and turned out with a project that was actually even better than what I originally planned. Yeah, that sounds absolutely fascinating. I can't wait to watch that one. Um, so how do you plan for your projects? Like you were saying, do you have a shot by shot idea of what you want or you just go in and look around? What do you do? Ideally, I'd be able to do a trip to wherever I was planning on doing the shoot and I would get to do a walkthrough ahead of time, meet people, talk to people. Sometimes that's most of the time that's not possible. So in that instance and in Zambia, I had people scout the location ahead of time and I gave them very detailed directions of what to look for and what I needed and things I need to look for and be aware of our power outlets, our safe places to keep equipment, uh, characters that are good on camera, which involve a series of interviews and um, hotels that'll like fit in my budget, but also be comfortable. A lot of times air conditioning is necessary, <laughs> but not always. And then you even look, I mean, I look down to the weather. If I know I'm doing a lot of outdoor shooting, like in Namibia, I can only go during a certain season because the rains come and then you never know what's going to happen. So planning is key for a big project in order to keep the cost down and, and get as much as you can while you're in the field to keep things rock, rocking and rolling. I work primarily by myself, but for both cases, I had a fixer and in Namibia, I had um, a friend, Ryan Vanner, I'll give him a shout out, who helped me with uh, as the director of photography for the project. So in the end, you can't, you can do it all alone, but I think it helps to get some creative input from other people. Yeah. So, okay, I have multiple questions. Um, so, but when you're planning how you're going to film, do you plan shot by shot? So I don't plan shot by shot and some people do, but I would say most documentaries allow for some flow of, action, meaning 
I may know I want to shoot in the labor ward with a certain doctor and follow their day, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. So I have to be ready. Um, I have sequences. I plan sequences. I plan B-roll, which is the cover shots that have to fill in when you have a bad shot or, you know, something like that. So I do, I have a whole list of, for example, exterior of buildings, uh, interior of buildings, plants, sky, time lapses, and then I check them off as I go when I have time to do that. Okay. Very cool. Um, so what do you think are, so if someone's getting started filming, what would be some like top shots that you would recommend having in films and then like working on and learning? So most documentaries involve some sort of interview. I would say the interview is something that's good to plan in advance. So you can look at a space and think, okay, I don't have lights. The best light in the world is natural light. It makes everyone look beautiful. So plan a place that's bright, has good light, and doesn't have a lot of distractions around the person and not a lot of sound. So you want to think of a loud air conditioner isn't good, a barking dog isn't good, and and then sit down and you could even photograph yourself in that scenario and make sure it's a setup that's, that's going to make your subject look as good as possible. If you can get good footage at the beginning, you have less work in post in general. So that's a good first setup, plan the interview. And then the, what I call kind of the action sequences, plan them as much as you can plan them. So if you're going to, let's just say a gym, you'd want to check and make sure that it's okay that you film in the gym and that you take both interior shots and make sure to take the exterior shot of the building. People forget that all the time, but in film, the establishing shot that we call it, the shot from outside of the building places it in in a space. And so that's an important shot missed by a lot. So you follow the action. And then what I do after the action's done, whatever it is, lifting weights, following a trainer around, then you would take shots that will cover some footage that you don't like. So shots of dumbbells, shots of shoes on the floor, shots of a clock ticking. You never know what you're going to use. And it's the rule is take it when you when you see it, because it won't be there again. We have to assume. I think that's a great rule for all like photographers and crafters and everyone. Like when you have that moment, it's yes, there's no going back, yeah. especially when you're traveling and things. Yeah. If, if, if the thought pops into your head, oh, this is a pretty picture, just take it because it won't be pretty later. Exactly. Exactly. I've try been trying to get my husband to understand that point and it's not working. Um, so No, I've seen lots of good photos of you. No. Um, so what equipment do you use and what equipment would you recommend for someone getting started? So because I'm a one-man band, I actually don't have a huge equipment room with a bunch of camera options. I, I do what I call run and gun. I have a DSLR camera with three lenses, uh, the standard lens, zoom lens that comes with the camera, a 50 millimeter portrait lens, and then a super, super wide angle lens. I think it's 11 to 14 millimeter. And those, and that covers me for lenses and camera. 
I have a very tiny short tripod and by tiny, I mean like a pocket tripod. Okay. Yeah. And then I have a monopod that's heavy duty with a feet on the ground that come out. And I do have a tripod that I could take with me, but I almost never do. Everything else fits in my backpack. I have a Zoom H4, a Zoom where you can plug XLR cables in. I have a shotgun mic. I have a lavalier mic, wireless lavalier mic. And then I have a couple of doodads, clamps and things. And I do have a LED portable light. I also don't usually carry that with me. Okay. Only, only when I absolutely need it because I do take advantage of natural light. Um, that's my setup. I think that's a doable setup for most people. If you're, do get a tripod, a monopod, which you can buy in the US, you know, a cheap monopod for about 20 bucks. I think I spent about 189 on mine. Um, Manfredo is a good brand. And Rode is the lavalier mic that I have. If you're going to do, I would get a mic if you're going to do more than one test trial small documentary. Once you get into it, you need a lavalier mic and a Zoom. And then I line everything up in post. I do Adobe Premiere editing and I have a very good audio mixer in Birmingham, Alabama, that does my final sound mixing for all of my documentaries. Oh, okay. But for short stuff, under 20 minutes, I do my own audio mixing too. Oh, okay. In in Premiere? In Premiere. Okay. You could take it into audition if you're, if you're super into audio. I wouldn't say audio is my strength, but... I, so a DSL, if you want to get started just right away, a pocket tripod and a DSLR, go at it. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say is a good, fun documentary that someone can start like from their home, like without traveling? Like what's a good practice first run that they could try? I would say pick someone you know who tells the best stories, who maybe has an amazing, one amazing story. They don't need a bunch of stories, but someone who's comfortable on camera that tells good stories and go from there. I'll give you an example. Like my sister told me her neighborhood around Washington, D.C. has families that have been there for a very long time. And she's like, oh, I would love to do this kind of glimpse into this particular neighborhood and highlight the families that have been here a long time and look at their old photos and and connect everyone together in this kind of intricate web of neighborhood Mm -hmm. gossip and stories. And I thought, oh, that's so cute. Now I could go and do that. Or really, if she was into it, she could do that Mm -hmm. herself. And I think that's a good place to start. I love that because I think you could even do that like with your own family to tell your family history and your family stories. Um, that would be such a valuable 
cherished thing that your family would hold on to for such a long time, like to pass down like who you are and, and kind of your family history or like your neighborhood or your friend groups. I think that's, that would be such like a gift that you would give someone and something so easy. Like you have access to all of those people, those places, and that little bit of equipment that people need right now. Yeah. Dig into some of the old photos that you have lying around that maybe aren't framed or tell funny stories with them. And you can start with that. It's another way to transform photographs into another element for people to see and appreciate that I think is forgotten. I mean, I'm big about items that people have forgotten or aren't truly appreciated. And so that's a great way to start. I love that. That, that is so cool. Okay. So I really hope that people are going to film. I mean, even like a two or three minute film. That can be long. Remember, we're cutting this down. In that case, you might start out with 10, 12 minutes and really edit yourself. What is the person saying? Do I need to have them say this for two minutes or can I use 30 seconds of the funny story or can I put photos over it to make it more interesting? Mm. Um, You can scan in your photos and use those. There are some great free editing software that's out there too. Um, I use um, iMovie. iMovie. Mm -hmm. And you could do all those multiple medias at at one time. Perfect. iMovie works if you don't have Mac. Mm -hmm. QuickTime? I don't know what you can edit with QuickTime. I know if you (laughs) Google free editing software... For a PC, you'll find it. It'll pop up. Yep. Yep. That's our tip. That's our technical tip for you. Just Google it. Um, That is my tip for everyone always. Just don't ask me. Please just Google that. Um, I used to seriously, my boss would come to me and ask me questions all the time. And I would be like, did you Google it? I know. Come to me after you've Googled it. Yep. And then I will help you. You still can't find it then. Um, Oh, that's such a great. Okay. So if you make a short film, make sure you're using the hashtag how she creates so that we can see it on Instagram Um, or tag us if it's too long for Instagram, whatever, because we definitely want to see that. It's going to be awesome. Um, So I'm trying to think, are there any other important film related things that we should share? I think when you start, also think about what I consider to be your client Mm. or your audience. So you're thinking about who is going to watch this? Who do I want to watch this? And what will they watch? For example, um, on Facebook, if it's a video you think you'll primarily use on Facebook or Instagram or short on YouTube, people aren't watching longer than two minute videos. So even a 30 second video, if that's all you can start with, Great, because people don't have long attention spans. If your client or your audience you think will be film festivals or a certain nonprofit or an educational sort of client, then you can probably do something longer because they're really going to be invested in the topic. So I would say just take a thought about where it's going to be or who's going to watch it to how long you want to have it. Yes. That's a great tip. Always begin with the end in mind. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So this has been so fascinating and there's like a million questions and things that I could talk to you about with documentaries and filmmaking, but 
so now we have our questions that we ask everyone at the end. Okay. So what does living a creative lifestyle look like for you? This is a hard one because for me to be truly creative, like in a creative zone, Mm -hmm. I have to put everything else aside. So I'm not one to jump up at 11 at night and start a project for four hours. That, that isn't me. Mm -hmm. I like to know I have at least 48 hours for me to process and get into a project whether it's film or something else, I have trouble jumping into it. So I have to really plan my creative projects. I like to think I'm creative all the time. My eyes are always watching. Mm -hmm. But if I'm serious about a project or something I need to get done, I need to set aside time. Yeah, no, that's very important. So I think that everyone's like, oh, I'm just creative all the time. But realistically, how creative are we actually being, you know? And so I love that you said that, that you really have to plan that time and protect that time um, when you're going to work on like an intense, big project. Look, I, I use as an excuse all the time because I'm in television and film to watch as much television as film (laughs) as possible. So I binge watch and I, and I enjoy my downtime. So I do have to schedule it or it turns into just more downtime. Yeah. Okay. Now I have to ask you a very serious documentarian question. Okay. How do you feel about Parks and Rec in the office? I mean, how could you not like those shows? Yes. But they are comedy shows. I wouldn't say that's in my genre, but I enjoy them. I've watched all of The Office. I was deep invested in The Office, and I watched half of Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. So... I think that's a big enough plug and fan. Yeah. So, I mean, do you feel like the documentary style is like very true documentary art? No, I don't watch just, I mean, please. (laughs) I watch, I watch everything. Okay. Not exclusively documentary. I, I mean, I watch Scandal, Grey's Anatomy. If I can find Kardashians on here in UAE, (laughs) I watch it. It doesn't matter. I, what might be considered trash to me, like entertainment is entertainment and I enjoy it. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to say I'm (laughs) above as a documentarian above uh, certain genres. Okay. So, so it doesn't bother you to watch like you're, you're not ever like, cause my husband cannot listen to certain music cause he's like, it's just so bad. Like musically, it's just so wrong. And so he can't listen to it. You can watch anything. No, I can watch anything. Okay. Um, okay, good to know that the Kardashians are their documentary level is is up to par. Look, I watched I watched I four or five hours the other day of say yes to the dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also the last show that I would expect you to like. Uh, I know it's so not me, but I can't help it. We only get so many channels I'm, here. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a problem. It's a real problem. <laughs> Um, okay. So what is your favorite resource for creativity? Where do you go? That's a good question. So for me to keep up to date on, on art and what's going on, I actually use Instagram. I follow tons of artists and galleries and museums 
to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then I usually follow their stuff into articles and links. Oh, that's smart. So I kind of link to link to link. Mm -hmm. And then of course I have my inbox is filled with what are those called? You know, like newsletters, newsletters Mm -hmm. from places that I'm really interested in. So that's, no, that's perfect. That's, okay. that's so smart. Yeah. Because I think we've talked about this before, maybe on here, curating what you're looking at. And so I've been working on that with my Instagram lately is making sure that I'm just not following random things that I don't care about. But like, if I'm like, I'll go through points where I'm really, really into weaving or really into abstract painting. And so I'll follow those people to see what they're posting. And that gives me insight into that world of whatever that is that that you're interested in. So that's a great way to do that. And not to be majorly off topic, but I have a hairless cat and I follow (laughs) tons of hairless cat feeds as well. Very important. So there is a genre and a group out there for everyone and every topic Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Last question. So what's new with you? What can we be looking forward to coming out from you soon in the future? Okay, I am hopefully, if all of my boxes get checked with logistics and I get permissions in place, I'll be going to Jordan this summer to spend a month in Zatari refugee camp to interview female entrepreneurs and their personal narratives and stories that'll turn into a documentary, an exhibit, and some papers. So I'm really excited about that. I'm so excited about that one for you. I cannot wait to hear. And I love to like partner with projects like that. So if there's something comes out of that where we can like support that partner together, you definitely let me know. Let's let's brainstorm on that because I want to bring some attention to supporting female entrepreneurs yeah in particular absolutely absolutely so we actually have a segment at the end of the podcast where I share a female entrepreneur um who's doing awesome things in the art business world and so um if there's a way that we can connect with some of those women that you interview we can definitely feature them on the podcast next I guess it'll be next year next semester yeah 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 somewhere in that range I'll keep that in mind yeah that'd be awesome All right. Well, Becky, thank you so much for chatting with us. This has been such an interesting conversation. I cannot wait for everyone to listen to it. And um, like I said, all the show notes and all the information will be at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I learned so much and I am just so constantly inspired by Becky and her work. Um, I want you guys to see some of her films. They are going to be available in the show notes um, because this is definitely one of those hard topics to to, kind of grasp without seeing. And so her films are going to be linked in the show notes, which are just at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. Um, You can connect with Becky at beckybeamer.com and Beamer is B-E-A-M-E-R. But like I said, I'm going to let you connect with her through the show notes and the links to everything will be there. So I hope you are really inspired to make some of your own films and share them under the how she creates hashtag so that we can see what your life is like. Um, And now we're at a really fun part of the episode where I share about 
a female artist, business entrepreneur, awesome lady who's doing some cool things in the world. Um, because I think that we should support and cheer one another on. And so this week, I want to tell you about my friend, Katie Smith. Her website is studiokatie.com. And if you go slash shop, you will see her new original artwork and her print shop. Katie um, has worked with us through Get Messy for years. She is a really popular teacher at Get Messy. She has taught our Galaxy, our Painting Galaxies class, and our newest class, Sketching Faces. Um, She is just an incredible artist, and I love her work, and I'm really excited that she is selling it now. And so, like I said, you can get original artwork, but you can also get online prints. And you guys, they're beautiful, and they're so cheap. So this is your chance to go grab some before I tell Katie she needs to raise her prices. Um, My favorite art that she creates are these portraits of these women, Um, and kind of within them is a mountainscape or a seascape. Um, or other things, Um, but those two are my absolute favorite. And so since we live by the sea here, I think I'm going to put the mountain lady in our house here, and then we are working on building a house in the States. It'll be in the mountains, so I'll definitely put the sea lady there. Um, So I will link to my favorite ones in here for you to see, but I hope that you will go check her out. Again, she is studiokatie.com and she is just studiokatie on Instagram and you are going to love her work. And like I said, it is so cheap right now. Go grab it. That is all for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it and you learned a lot and you are leaving so, so inspired. I will see you at the show notes at lauren-likes.com or on Instagram where I hang out every day and share lots of awesome stuff at Lauren Likes blog. And if you want updates about the show every week, I send out a newsletter that is um, part show notes, part um, inspiration, part announcements. And then the main part that I love so much is I share a creative story or lesson that I have been learning and experiencing this week. And so that is just a really good way to stay connected with me and to just continue to be inspired and grow your creativity. And again, you can sign up for that at lauren-likes.com. I hope you have a creative week. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. I would love to see how you create. Share what you're making on Instagram using the hashtag HowSheCreates. If you love learning about creativity with me, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. Grab your art supplies and I'll meet you back here next week for another episode of How She Creates.